Welcome to Media Nouveau, a podcast series exploring new media, old media, and the murky area in between. We're students in David Morgan's new media writing class at Emory University. Throughout the semester, we will discuss and question different facets of the ever-changing media landscape, examining the ways in which we interact with and shape media. Each episode will explore a publication so that the series as a whole will articulate our own definition of these genres. and welcome to this week's episode of our podcast series, Media Nouveau. Today we will be talking about the implications of interactive film and TV shows and answer the question, is it actually worthwhile for viewers as well as for the producers? So, what exactly is interactive film? So, interactive cinema and film allows the audience to take an active role in creating the storyline. To me, it seems like an innovative blend between a video game and a linear film. And when I hear interactive cinema, the word, I automatically think, oh, wow, it's like new media. But it is actually not as new as you might think it is. Scott Meslow quotes, it's been around 50 years since the interactive movie was first introduced. Yeah, so then why has it not become widespread by now? Well, that's because most of the interactive cinema done in the past has been kind of like complete failures. Um, The first interactive movie... Kano Automat, which was an experimental short by the Czech cinematographer Radus Sincera, follows a protagonist named Mr. Novak through a particularly dramatic day and pauses around nine times in the movie for the audience to choose what path to take and note that they're only given two options um, for each every time the movie pauses. Then a live actor would walk out and explain the choices to the audience who would push a button to vote on which of the two different options they preferred. And even though it's labeled interactive, choices are pretty limited. And in this movie, they showed the ending first, which was Mr. Novak's apartment being on fire. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) And then the movie was a flashback um, showing how it got to that point. So you already start the movie knowing the ending, which I think defeats the purpose, like the whole purpose of interactive cinema, which lies on the ideals that you can create your own ending. And also another flaw that I saw in this movie was that the audience was like more like likely to choose the option that created conflict. I mean, why wouldn't you? Why would you want to pay for a watch to watch like a boring movie? So then if like the audience is always likely to choose one option over the other, you know, I don't really see what's the whole point of making and labeling as a quote unquote interactive. But I feel that a remedy for that would be just to change the two options and offer like two conflicting points to create an interesting outcome no matter what you decide. And like this poor decision making from producer and production has led to the difficulty, I think, for interactive cinema to succeed, which is why I've never heard about it in the past, probably. (laughs) So like, I feel like the phrase interactive cinema could be tantalizing from a marketing perspective and if done right, could be the new like trend. And with this desire, in 1992, the lowest company spent as much as $70 per theater to install interactive remotes designed for movies like I'm Your Man, another short film, which in where the characters periodically turn to the camera asking for the audience's help, which was another failure. And I find it quite funny that the director for I'm Your Man said his movie was a radically new cinema, liberated from the narrative cliche and predictability. In theory and in word, it sounds amazing, but the final product is actually kind of like far from that. 
And, like, if you think about successful movies nowadays, it has a linear plot and, like, specific plot points and conflicts that create a book story. So, basically, it's, like, the storyline of the book. And if we make pivotal uh, plot points variable, then it might not be as impactful or intriguing to watch. So yeah, interactive cinema has not been too successful up until this point because they can be expensive to produce and not engaging enough for the viewers to enjoy. It's not looking too good for interactive cinema at this point, but like filmmakers or producers have not stopped trying to creating them. Yeah, so from observing the newer interactive films, I think one of the most important factors in making them successful is creating an individual experience. With new advancements in technology such as smartphones, streaming services, and gaming consoles, you can watch these interactive films at home and it does not have to be such large scale. And doing it this way makes interactive movie and films more accessible to the audience since you don't have to actually go to a movie theater to watch it. And you can eliminate the large group setting problem such as having to go with the majority vote in the options. So, like, currently Netflix is testing the waters with, like, children's TV shows. They have, like, two episodes out called Puss in Boots, Puss in Book, sorry, (laughs) Trapped in an Epic Tale, and Buddy Thunderstock, The Maybe Pile. We actually watched Puss in Book, and we came to the conclusion that, yeah, it is actually a step up from um, older children's TV shows such as Sesame Street and Dora the Explorer, and I think it can be pretty engaging for children to watch. So basically, like, Puss in Book is a spin-off of a Shrek movie character, and in this episode, Puss gets stuck in a magical storybook, and you, like the storyteller, have the option to create the narrative. The show itself is pretty simple because you get, like, two choices, but there are alternate endings in which you can either help or, like, not help Puss, <laughs> like, escaping the book. Yeah, and I think Malcolm Gladwell's idea of stickiness, the stickiness factor, comes um, into play here. And I think an interactive children's show such as this one needs to be sticky in order for it to spread. And in order for this show to be sticky, it has to be engaging. And I think this show does a good job of doing that. So for instance, I feel like it addresses the viewers as storytellers. Like, it will constantly tell you, oh, you have a character. Yes, you. (laughs) And characters essentially look at the viewer in the eyes and ask them questions and pauses them like you have a, a stop, like you have a timing make them decide what path to take so overall i think it would be like fun for kids to watch also if a children's show is too complicated and it, it might not engage the child and then it won't be a success which won't help it sh- spread so i don't think the puss in the book episode being kind of too simple is a too much of a problem and it's kind of like the story itself and the show itself is kind of similar to the first ever interactive film that we mentioned earlier, but now it's targeted for a more specific audience, and the two options both seem interesting, and it's also individualized, and you can watch it on your smartphone, which I think can overall produce a different outcome in terms of success. So as Mezzo states, technology and audience demand may at last have caught up with interactive cinema, and I think it was very smart for Netflix to test the waters with a low kind of risk budget children's show to try to ease in the genre interactive tv and see like its popularity yeah so the two episodes the puss in the book and the thunderbolt are they're fairly new i think they came out summer fall 2017 
And so, yeah, currently Netflix is observing the responses, and who knows, maybe in the future they'll create more interactive TV shows that involve like live people and not so much animation, which I think would be pretty interesting. So, like, besides Netflix shows, there have been other films that have been well received. Currently, I think one of the most popular ones is called Late Shift, and Late Shift is an interactive film. That has 180 different decisions. Ooh. So not complain, not complaining about being too simple. <laughs> Seven different endings and four hours of footage. And I feel like it is a truly a giant step forward in this genre. And it was like released as an iOS app and is like available on gaming consoles such as Xbox and PlayStation 4. I think this is again important that it's individualized because as a consumer, I don't think I would want to watch this with other people and have their decisions outweigh mine since there is like a hundred and di- hundred and eighty different options. So I think Late Shift is a good representative of a true blend of like a video game and a movie. And it is essentially a narrative driven game with cinematic visuals and I think this is a product that will be like stickier compared to those done in the past. Yeah, so even if films such as Late Shift are stickier than interactive media produced in the past, is it actually going to spread and will the audience take on this complex viewing of tv so some could argue that they kind of enjoy watching tv because it is easy and relaxing and the fact that you need to choose a decision while watching something could be kind of unappealing because you have to think (laughs) but however uh as johnson uh stephen johnson states television shows have been demanding more cognitive work from the audience and if it is true then the complexity that comes like with interactive tv watching can be something that the audience learns to handle and eventually enjoy which i see as very plausible yeah stephen johnson also claimed that watching tv has led to an increase in iq and his theory of the sleeper curve states that there are significant cognitive benefits as new media becomes increasingly increasingly more complex and whether you agree or not about the iq stuff we do have to admit that television shows have become more complex and the audience has changed correspondingly and interactive tv with its multi-layered narratives and ability to create your own story and ending is just simply a a genre that follows this trend so however after watching puss in the book i feel that since only two options offered we are very limited and we may feel that we might not actually have a big influence on the plot for example when i was watching the show i had another idea that was like oh i want to make another wish or another option that is presented and influence the show in another way as a result some may like experience the satisfaction and i believe that this would be one of the major obstacles of interactive media However, that might also be due to the fact that this was like a children's show and the experience might be different for a more advanced interactive cinema such as The Late Shift. Nevertheless, we can still see an evolution from the audience being passive and just sitting back and watching a movie to now actually getting to play a small role in creating the story. In a book, for example, the reader, uh, the reader has no influence on the plot and what is written, thus there's not a lot of flexibility. However, in an interactive film, like, the viewer has much more power than in the past, and you can create, like, different endings to a storyline. Also, Stephen Johnson quotes, um, changes in the economics of culture industry has encouraged repeat viewing, and I feel like this is pretty true uh, in interactive shows, because you now have the power to change the storyline, and you're encouraged to repeat the episode to see what kind of different options and different storylines that you can create. So, like, basically, I feel like it all lies in the hands of the viewers and the value of the audience increases, which I think is pretty neat. 
Yeah, so overall, as a consumer of media, myself and Christina, I think we would agree that in saying that interactive TV is something that could be worthy of our time and could be fun to watch. And if more people watch um, watch interactive TV and cinema and it spreads and it is well-received, then I think companies, filmmakers, and um, streaming services will find it advantageous to start dabbling in this genre. So thank you for listening to our chat about interactive cinema on Media Nouveau this week. We'd like to thank our executive producer, Devin Morgan, as well as our line producer, Katie. Tune in next week for more discussion about the ever-changing new media landscape.